0: Another exciting episode of The Spicy Life. I am your relationship expert and host, Spicy Maddie, and joined with me in the G spot is the beautiful and lovely Dr. Kara Quant. Dr. Quant is joining us for today's episode on how to date after diagnosis. Dr. Kara Kwant is an internal medicine doctor and sex expert who is passionate about female sexual health. Her passion came about after she realized it was not thoroughly taught in medical training but believe women need providers who are comfortable in discussing and knowledgeable with treating female sexual dysfunction, lack of desire, lack of arousal, pain with intercourse, and problems with orgasm. She is the founder of Viva La Vulva Movement and an art exhibition and is bringing together like-minded people from different backgrounds who have a passion for driving change in the way female sexual health is perceived in our society and to help promote more awareness about the topic. Kara Quant was born in Inglewood, California, and it was during her anatomy class in high school that she discovered her calling to become a doctor. From there, she attended the University of California, Santa Barbara, where she received her bachelor's degree with dedication and determination, got into UCLA Charles Drew Medical School. And she later completed internal medicine residency at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in L.A. and practices here now in L.A. Okay, so I have another tough question, Mrs. Ask Tough Questions. (laughs) What is your biggest turn on? I, for uh, intimacy and spicy... Is intimacy. So I want you to tell me what's your biggest turn on. Ooh,
1: my biggest turn on is confidence.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. We need Um. to do just a whole episode on (laughs) how to increase confidence, and hopefully this episode will give some you know women and men their swag back when it comes to confidence. But what is it about confidence that you love so much?
1: I just love that you. Not necessarily don't need to ask questions, but like you don't need any validation for what you do or who you are or who you want to be. Like there's no validation at all that's required um, for that confidence. So confidence, I also enjoy intellect. You know, like I can I can have just great conversations just, you know. Uh, what am I trying to say? I, I, intellect is, is a major thing. Intellect Smart, gets you yeah. wet, wet. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best compliment you ever received?
0: C for communication. What's the best compliment anyone's ever given you?
1: Mm. Mm. You know, it really does come from patience. But the compliment that they've gotten better, I feel like is a huge thing. It It, it isn't necessarily talk, well, no, it is talking about me. Um, yeah, that, that they've been able to get better from the advice that I have given them. Mm. And it can be as as small as like, well, why don't you just have a conversation with this person? Right. Like, just have a conversation with this person. And um, that, There was a, actually, I can give you some more specifics. There was a patient that came in. He was dealing with uh, sexual dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So he had erectile dysfunction and he was having issues with his uh, girlfriend that he loved and he just like was madly in love with, but he could not get an erection. And so I just had a conversation. I was like, well, why don't you just talk to her and say, hey, I'm so attracted to you. Like, I want to be with you. This doesn't happen before. This hasn't happened before, but this is what. You know, is happening now. I don't want you to feel bad, you know, about yourself for right. me having this. Um, and I was like, well, why don't you just, you know, sit down? Like, it'd be a way for you. Know, you guys are fully dressed. Maybe it could be a dinner or something like that, and you just have a conversation around. Hey, this is what's going on. And he was at. He the reason why he was coming in was because he was asking for medication. He was mm-hmm. asking for Viagra and i was like well you know i can give you a di- i can give you that medication but like why don't you just have a conversation and so the conversation went well he came back to me and he was like guess what i didn't even use the prescription i had a conversation sex is amazing and i'm just like he didn't even that have to an- use the pill he did not have to use it the pill it sounds like in
0: that situation it was something about maybe his safety or comfort and security with her mm-hmm. where after that conversation he felt like he could be like in his own like in his zone because sometimes just the idea of sex and performance gives us anxiety and we don't know if the person's gonna enjoy it if we're gonna be good enough so we get in our head yep. and then we're not capable of performing when we know we're a monster in the bedroom
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and this happens oftentimes and I feel like oftentimes what gets in our way in the bedroom is often what we have in our minds instead of like being in the moment and being with this person and interacting with this person. It's more of, well, what's going on in my mind? And that comes along with the diagnosis as well. Diagnosis of STDs, like if I have this in my mind, if I'm consistently having this or I'm obsessing over this this thought, then it's not going to allow me to be present with this person in the bedroom or wherever it is. We get trapped
0: in our minds. Okay, and I have one more before we dive into that hot topic of dating after diagnosis. Why, for learning to say yes to your partner, to yes to life, share a time when you conquered a fear?
1: Mm. Um, I mean, that you know what? I actually go, a part of me gets off on going after fears. <laughs> <laughs> um, like
0: getting to check it off of your like, box, your to-do list of like, okay, Thing to conquer today.
1: <laughs> thing to conquer today. Hmm. Um, you know what? I, I was actually, so uh, a little bit about myself. I wanted to be an OBGYN mm-hmm. because that was like, it's women's health. Like that is what I wanted to do. I actually didn't get into uh, that specialty, OBGYN. I got into internal medicine, which still allows me to do everything that I have wanted to do and more. Um, and so there was a time where I was like, well, you know, I want to step up to the plate and become the sexual health expert that I want to be even during residency. So I um, no one told me to do it, but I allowed myself to do a lecture on female sexual health mm-hmm. for this like cohort of <laughs> doctors and, <residents laughs> and medical students and it turned and 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 it was it was that and it was something else it was like a little didactic session that I set up and it went well um but I would not have done it if I wasn't like you know what I just need to step out of my comfort zone yeah I just need to I just need to do this like there's nothing to be afraid of um and I and I and I Recognize that when I was doing it, but leading up to it, I was like, "No, this is stupid. Well, like, some, why would I do?" But this? even
0: sometimes, knowing that you're about to make other people uncomfortable, even if it's something that you really are passionate about and you want in your heart of heart and know it's good for everyone else, just knowing you are going to make other people uncomfortable sometimes makes you uncomfortable, and then you get the anxiety about like, "What are they going to think? How are they going to receive this? Are they going to think I'm crazy?" And yeah. once again, it goes back to getting in your head. So you push yourself to do it anyways despite what they might potentially think or receive because you knew it was better for them
1: i yeah i did i knew that this information needed to be given because it isn't often um taught within medical schools and residencies and i was like it's important like it's important I, i as a patient would want my doctor to know some information about how to treat or what resources to give for someone that has, you know, problems with sex or libido or what have you. So I would want to be that person. So it would, I I switched my mind and I was like, I want to be that patient. Yeah. that That is, you know, that is uh, treated by this doctor that has some information about it.
0: So now you get to lay it on us because what we need is to feel comfortable, to feel safe, to feel a lack of shame around diagnosis. I think that it's something that we tiptoe on. We may see some billboards in Los Angeles or whatever city that you're listening from. (laughs) There's usually some type of like, you know, promotion about how to protect yourself, but the doctor never gives us information on how to communicate after diagnosis, how to communicate after you have, you know, receive something from a, part, you know, from a sexual experience, what advice or what do you tell patients after they have the conversation with you um, or their doctor about having received a diagnosis, how then to share that information and when to share that information with another sexual partner?
1: Mm. Well, I first want to start by giving some statistics. Okay, give I us some like- stats, <laughs> give us some spicy yes. facts. Give us some stats, because you
0: know I love some stats. So give us some stats. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so one in two people, that means 50% of people, have been given a diagnosis of an STD before the age of 25. Wow. 50%. That should make
0: people feel a whole lot comfortable. Like, it's not really this thing that never happens. It actually happens quite often. It it's very common. It actually
1: happens quite often. And the, the people, I mean, the, the biggest um, or the rising uh, diagnosis is in ages 15 to 24. Um, so that's where the new diagnosis of chlamydia and gonorrhea and syphilis and all of those other, well, mainly those, um, those STDs. Um, so 50% of people have, got, have gotten a diagnosis before 25. Um, and then in terms of like the, the conditions that can't be treated, Uh, HIV. I mean, they can be treated, but they can't. uh, They're not curable. Yeah. Yes. So uh, HIV, herpes, HPV. Um, So in terms of herpes, which is common, and I feel like there's a huge stigma around it. um, One in two people. So 50% of people have herpes simplex one, which usually is on the mouth,
0: the cold sores, the fever, the cold sores. Yes,
1: those. Um, herpes 2, the one that usually is on the genitals, that is uh, one in eight people have herpes type 2, which um, is about 13% of people within the US have herpes and uh, herpes type 2. Um, and not to scare you, not to scare <laughs> we you. We don't want you to, to <laughs> be scared. We want you to feel <laughs> safe and
0: comfortable. Yes, not
1: to scare you, yes. Uh, uh, um, but. Uh, It can go both ways. So herpes type one can be on the genitals and herpes type two can be on the mouth. Herpes type one can be on the genitals. Oh, so it can flip-flop. It can flip-flop. Okay.
0: Yes. How do you flip-flop those? By eating someone out that has cold sores or herpes on their mouth? Or how do you get the other one? How do you flip-flop the other one?
1: Um, So yes, you, yeah, you basically going down on somebody uh, that has type two. And so, oh, because they're spreading it from so when it's you going from the genitals to the mouth.
0: But does that turn into when you go down on someone who has type two? Does that turn into type two on your mouth, or does it still save type one on your mouth? It's type two on your mouth. It's type two on your mouth, and not type one on your mouth. Yes. Okay, so it so it really does, and you okay, can have
1: wow. herpes type one, which is usually on the mouth. You can find it in the genitals.
0: Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so
1: it could go. It can. You can flip flop. Um, so, so th- those are statistics about herpes. Uh, in terms of HPV, um, there are so many people that have the diagnosis of uh, HPV, yeah. which is a virus. Um, and he, and because of the vaccine, um, the uh, Shingrix. I'm oh, sorry, not the Shingrix vaccine, but the uh, the vaccine for HPV. It has decreased. Um, so, so patients out there, um, usually adolescents or young adults, can get the the HPV vaccine. And have their chances of getting um, HPV, which can cause cervical cancer, which can cause genital warts. Um, those are decreased by getting the vaccine. So everyone out there that's listening, I feel please like get the vaccine. When we were little,
0: though, I don't remember the doctor presenting that vaccine as even an option. It sounds like it's you know more of a current um, vaccine that has come out. But do you recommend for the mothers and fathers who currently have daughters right now to? get the vaccine? Because some people are kind of, you know, afraid it hasn't been out that long. Should they should they be getting their children vaccinated? And is there a vaccine for the boys? Because aren't the males the main transfer?
1: Yes, that is the case um, because of the way it happens. However, well, so you can, HPV can also go to many different places. So it can go, um to the anus it could go to the vagina it could go on the penis so there's a lot of different areas where it can be found so male male transmission is very common female to male male to female it um but you can so men and women girls and boys can get the vaccine
0: oh guys can get it too guys okay. can get it too see why do we, think that we just gotta be pumping up the girls we can be <laughs>
1: <laughs> vaccinating the fellas too and I don't, yeah, I, I don't understand why it's, it not is, promoted. it's not promoted for guys to get it. But it's like, yes, it's it's the guy that can be giving it to a woman or to multiple women or to men. men yeah, yeah. men
0: can transfer it, too. I don't think we hear about that either, that um, we only hear usually about HIV being transferred from male to male. But HPV is a thing that is transferred between men as well. Right. Yes. OK. Yeah. See.
1: Yeah. So um, so those are the statistics. And, and in, ter- in terms of HIV, there's, I think, 120 million. This is, So this is all from the CDC. Uh, but there's like 121 million people within the U.S. that have the diagnosis of HIV. And one in seven people don't know that they have that diagnosis. Wow, because they haven't been tested yet. Right, because they haven't been tested. So now that we know the
0: stats, now how do we recover from the instant emotion of potential shame, embarrassment from that stat, from from the diagnosis. Yeah.
1: So uh, the reason why I gave the stats was to basically say it's that- It's common. It's common. STDs are common. They're common. Chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, HIV, herpes, they are common, HPV, they are common, and so, like, uh, I understand that you know there's stigma around it. There's there's a lot of bad talk around it, but it is common. And you are going to live. You are going to be fine. Like the diagnosis of chlamydia, you are it's treatable. Right. Uh, the diagnosis of gonorrhea, it's treatable. Like there are, there are things that are treatable. That it's ok. It's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like you got this. I mean, it's almost like you can almost think of it as like a cold. Like. You can get a cold from many different people. There's someone that can go into your office and can like cough and, and, you, and just get the and whole you got a call. office. And you got And get the whole office. Wait, but can coochie
0: catch cold? Is that a true thing? Can coochie catch a cold? Can your vagina <laughs> catch a cold?
1: It can't catch. It, <laughs> it can't catch a cold. in like, the, there's specific viruses that are for colds.
0: Because winter is coming, and oh, so if, if, a, if, a, if someone has a cold and they go down on you, can your coochie catch a cold?
1: It cannot catch a cold. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm just saying we gotta ask this. No, it it cannot catch a cold. It can get a virus, but it cannot catch a cold. Um, So no, but that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: just curious. Can it get a flu? Like, what's up? (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, But okay. So so, just know that it is common. It it doesn't matter. HAV is common. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's 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 a common diagnosis. And you will be fine. You will live. You will, like, see another day. Like, it's not that, a death sentence. It's not a death sentence. But we do
0: have the stigma around HIV having been or being a death sentence. What do you have to say to that stigma?
1: Yes, at some point it was a death sentence. We didn't have the medications that we have out now that can treat you. Like, there's people that, are, that have HIV that take one medication a day. And they're fine. Their HIV is undetectable in their body. Like you cannot detect it in their body and their CD4 count, which HIV can affect, uh, which is basically it fights off infections. And so you're usually your CD4 count can be very low, um, but their CD4 counts are normal. Mm-hmm. So you can live a normal life and have HIV and only take one medication a day. It's like taking vitamins, multivitamins, like it's it, you, you take it yeah. and you are preventing from other people from getting it. So no, it is not a death sentence any longer. When people don't
0: take the medication though, or maybe it's an access question that I have, that is not a medication that they're just passing out like they do condoms. I feel like oftentimes like we can go to different after parties, we can go to different locations and condoms are being handed out. Why isn't that medication being hounded out like that?
1: So, so there is uh, there's a difference. So there's HIV therapy. So when someone actually gets the diagnosis of HIV, there are certain medications that you can get for treating the infection. Now there's something else called PrEP, which a lot of people have been hearing about more recently. So it is uh, it stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis meaning that you're taking a medication oh, I, i'm
0: seeing all the commercials yes. for prep okay <laughs>
1: yes so you're seeing a medication that um or billboards and you know uh, advertisement for a medication that prevents you from getting hiv so oh, if you are that's a what that, prep is yeah so if you are a person that is at high, or having high risk sexual activity, if you have multiple partners, if you're, you know, using condoms seldomly or just, you know, if like, you're getting a like, pop it and you like it raw, basically, okay. <laughs> this medication is can be for you. This medication can help prevent HIV, not other STDs, just HIV. And it's a once a day medication, you have to take it once a day. Like it's not you know, you can't miss a, a dose because the, the, the more doses that you miss, the higher your chances of getting HIV. Um, so there are medications that are out there. Now, should they be given to everyone? I think everyone should have the the option. Mm-hmm. Definitely, everybody should have the option too. And there's more and more people that are that are taking it. Is and, this an expensive
0: medicine? Is this something like is it about the costs you think or the financial obligation, like of the medicine that people aren't taking advantage of it? Because I think even too, with prep, that's still a medication that they're kind of, like hinting towards what it really is in the commercial from what I'm, you know, what I've seen, but you're it's still one of those commercials that you're like, Hmm, I really don't know what this (laughs) commercial is about or what it is telling me to buy.
1: Yeah. So I, 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 well, it's a a couple different things. Like with everyone, it's a couple different things. Like it's, it's, it's access. So do, do you have insurance? I mean, there are free clinics that are out there that I'm sure, I don't know if, um, I don't know specifically what clinics are out there, but I'm sure that there are clinics out there that will give this medication to patients. Um, you still have to be monitored. There's still medic- you know, there's still um, usually regular SCD testing that you need to have done. It's usually every three months, as well as um, to check basic blood levels in your body. Um, so it's it's access. So do you have insurance? Do you have access to a doctor? Um, that is willing to give you this medication um, as well as are you open to taking a medication to prevent you from getting HIV? Mm-hmm. Um, There's some people that are like, I'll take the risk. Yeah, some, You know, so like everyone has a different thought process about taking medications. I think that, I think that's another thing. Taking medications on a regular basis. There's so many people that I see that are like, mm, I'm okay. I'm in pain, but I won't take the Tylenol or the ibuprofen. It's like, They don't want to get dependent on the medication. They don't want to get dependent on the medication. And so I think that is their fear. Um, But it's out there and it's helping people to uh, prevent themselves from getting HIV. So
0: we're going to go back to this. You give your patient the diagnosis. They don't know what to think. They don't know what to feel. Should they be instantly going home and telling their partner or telling the man or woman whom they got it from, that they have that STD? Should they be tracing it back to where they got it from? Should they be assuming that it was like, what should they be feeling and what conversations should they be having?
1: Well, it's hard to say what they should be feeling because I'm sure there's so many emotions that come up in their head for a diagnosis. Sadness, frustration, anger. You know, there's probably an array of emotions that come up after that diagnosis. So... I think taking some deep breaths, calming down. Um, And then the next step would be actually having a conversation with your partner. So if you're currently seeing somebody saying, hey, this is what happened today. I went to the doctor and I got a diagnosis of herpes. And I want to have an honest conversation with you. Do you have it? You know, when's the last time you were tested? Right, that part. When was the last time (laughs) you were tested? How
0: do you you know you don't have it? Because just because you don't have an outbreak or just because you may not be familiar with the symptoms doesn't mean that you don't have it.
1: Yes, yeah and that's the thing where's like, your paperwork
0: at where's, that's the next one no, <laughs> yes where is your
1: paperwork and i want to see your paperwork yes let me see it let me see it let, let me not just like talk about it like let me see or most people you know will have like a uh, an app on their phone so it, like it's electronically like let me see that information yeah. like let me visually see it rather than you giving me the information of oh i'm i'm negative and i've been negative
0: now what does the conversation look like when it's multiple people that you could have potentially got it from and you don't know. So you have one sexual partner, you have another and it doesn't matter the date or period of how far are you in between but it could be one and it could be the other. Are you obligated to go back and have the conversation with both or just assume that it's one you gotta have the conversation. You have with have she's conversation shaking her head over here.
1: Everybody's do the conversation. You have to have the conversation because you if you
0: don't, if you don't speak on it too, you're leaving both of those people potentially spreading it. Yep. Not even familiar with having it, and it may not have even come from it. It could have come from you. Yeah. Um, with you having been undiagnosed and not knowing. So what? Okay. So I understand how you have the conversation. Hey, I need to speak to you, but then from that comes the embarrassment of now you know my secret now you know what maybe deemed a flaw or weakness or maybe you think that you know I'm disgusting or now comes the judgment component how does a person deal with that judgment and that person not spreading the news because what if that person doesn't have it you got it from the other person and now they're going to let people know that you have it yeah yeah I think all these thoughts are going through people's minds, which is why we don't
1: talk about it. It really is. It really is going through everyone's mind. And just know that it's common and know that you will get through it. Like, know that, yes, you probably feel a certain way. Like you feel like you're scum. Like you feel like, oh my gosh, you feel dirty. You feel like there are certain words that come up. And... Um, I don't know. Like, I I can't, you can't help what other people do. Mm -hmm. There's rumors that go around on many things, you know, who you dated and who you were with. And um, maybe if you do have a STD, um, there's rumors that go around. You can't help that. I think that like facts are facts and you just have to face it head on. So if you have a diagnosis of chlamydia, Talk to the people that you had sex with and be like, hey, I I just got this diagnosis and, you know, it doesn't make me feel good. I'm getting treated for it. Like, I believe that you should get tested I and someone, you should be treated. I know someone
0: who didn't want to have the conversation that they got the STD. So they put the antibiotics in the person's drink. So uh, to avoid, <laughs> to avoid the conversation <laughs> that they gave him an STD. <laughs> so then they both could be cured and still continue making that sweet passionate. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's how fearful people are. (laughs) Like when it comes to like having that hard to conversation. And so the other component is, and and, and that I wanna ask you that I think comes up often is say it was just a quickie or somebody that you're not in a relationship with and you have contrived an STD and maybe it's not one that is um, curable with antibiotics. Um, like a herpes or an HIV, at what point in your relationship do you recommend having the conversation when you start seeing people or dating someone of, hey, I have this thing? Are are they obligated to say that before they make love? And are they obligated to say that before the person puts the condom on?
1: I do believe that a person should have the conversation before it even gets to the sex point. So before, you know, like during dinner, like on a walk or something like that, before it even gets sexual, you know, kissing and like things are getting hot and heavy, um, it's at that time, it should be had to have that discussion about, hey, this is what I have. have How far in
0: though? So like you like the person, are you thinking a week, two weeks, a month? What would you what would your recommendation be?
1: I think that generally what people, what I've heard people um, do is have a conversation with someone when they feel like the next step is coming, um, to, to um, that they're getting closer um, to this person, that they want to possibly have a relationship with this person, um, having the conversation then having the conversation like hey, I have this diagnosis. Feeling like you trust the person um, that I feel like that is when is the best time.
0: I 100% agree with Dr. Kara Kwant that you shouldn't even be considering having sex if you don't trust the person. Let alone having the conversation about what they could potentially um, receive from you or what is going on internally with your body. If you don't trust the person period, sex shouldn't even be on the table. <laughs> so if you don't trust the person with that information, then you shouldn't be trusting the person with that your body period. So I, I agree with you and I think that for true intimacy, it is gonna require honesty and vulnerability and it'll also give you insight too and the person deserves the choice. The person deserves yes. the choice of do they care for you enough to potentially expose themselves to the SCD or is it something that they're not comfortable with? And if they're not comfortable with it, you have to allow them that space. Yeah. And, that's, and that's for anything. You have to be 100% transparent. But with your body though, I feel like it comes at a point when you trust the person because you don't want to just be going on your first date with everyone telling them, hey, I have this yeah. STD. I, I don't agree with that. I think it's, I'm getting closer, like you said, and i can see myself being with this person or being intimate with this person being
1: intimate with this person yeah to have the con- to have the conversation because put yourself in that person's shoes you know like would you want somebody else to have this conversation with you like would you want wouldn't you want someone else to be like hey and give you the option to to do that and so i feel like uh, p- always put yourself in that other person's shoes like yeah it may be a very difficult conversation to have it may be very difficult, but at the end of the day, it'll it'll you will get more clarity on this person. Either I want to be with this person, right. this person is loving and accepting of the diagnosis that I have, or this person does, not doesn't want to have anything to do with me, but like just doesn't They want are not to, the one for they're you. They're not the one for you. And that's okay. That is okay. Because guess what? There's so many other people out there that will love you and will want to have sex with you and don't care about the diagnosis or may have the actual diagnosis as well. Um, so there's all these other options and possibilities that are out there. And it
0: opens room for them to have that conversation. You just said they might have it as well. Well, you guys need to have that talk. And the, even the talk of have you ever been diagnosed with anything before? we're all not squeaky clean. So we can't be under the assumption that someone hasn't ever had anything or any experience with that. And you should be having that conversation whether you have something or not. (laughs) You should be having the conversation of when was the last time you were tested or have you ever contracted anything? Yes. So really quick, we have to show love to our spicy sponsor.
1: Introducing the all-new and totally reimagined 2020 Ford Explorer. It's built for modern exploration. Whether venturing across country or simply across town, over various terrains or through rough weather, it's all good. The Ford Explorer is specifically designed for comfort, confidence, and a whole lot of style. Ready to explore more? The 2020 Ford Explorer, the greatest exploration vehicle of all time. Built Ford Proud
0: you're probably listening to this podcast because you're trying to improve your relationships maybe you're someone who is striking out on dates maybe it's time to build some relationships at work and you're up for a promotion or you just want to get along better with your family members well if meeting the right person or making connections seems daunting for you then chances are the spicy life relationship consulting firm can help Did you know that studies actually show that forming and maintaining healthy relationships leads to a fulfilling and healthier life? The Spicy Life program not only educates you on how to connect more effectively, but also provides you with the tools to date and form relationships with success. The Spicy Life program is a 90-day, five-step transformative dating and relationship training program based on the Spicy Fundamentals. And the Spicy Fundamentals, S-P-I-C-Y, stand for self, passion, intimacy, communication, and learning to say yes. So based on your relationship goals and needs, you guys, I will guide you through your customized action plan to incorporate excitement, adventure back into your personal experiences. Yes, your interpersonal experiences are crucial in building relationships. So in addition, you'll have access to a diverse team of experts who specialize in relationship coaching, life coaching, matchmaking, image consulting, astrology, and online dating profiles. So if you are ready to transform your perspectives and fuel your connections, schedule a 30-minute no-cost consultation today at thespicylife.com. That's T-H-E-S-P-I-C-Y-L-I-F-E dot com. All right, and we are back with Dr. Kara Quant, and we are talking about how to date after diagnosis. She is dropping some gems on us right now. And if you are tuning in, hopefully you are getting some um, vital information that is making you feel confident and empowered to have the tough conversation of uh, have you ever had an STD? How do you date after STDs? Or how do you have that conversation with the other person? Asking them if they even have any. One thing that diagnosis also does is makes you feel even non confident from a sexual component. So there may be like this underlying shame when it comes to dating. What about the loving on yourself shame? The, how do I feel sexually empowered after diagnosis shame? How do, how do they get their groove back after feeling these emotions that diagnosis may take them through?
1: Mm, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I believe that um, empowering yourself after the diagnosis is great. And there are um, support groups that are out there that I feel can empower people. Um, so there are, the, you know, if you get a diagnosis of HIV, there are HIV support groups that are out there with other people that are dealing with the same thing that you are going through. Or herpes, there's there's herpes support groups out there. There's HPV groups. So there's all types of groups that are out there that can help you to feel good and confident about yourself that, hey, there's other people that are out there that I can see and touch and talk to that have this diagnosis. How are they managing and dealing with the diagnosis? Like, what are they doing? Are they in a healthy relationship? Are they you know, like just getting more information. How they're from functioning. How, the, how are they functioning? Like what happened to them? What shortly, you know, like, did you go through depression? Or like, was there- So what? it's kind of like a
0: AA meeting for STDs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So there are support or groups Or bereavement
0: meeting, like it's, yeah, all these support groups that we often hear about for bereavement or for, um, you know, dealing with, you know, abuse or addictions. There's also one for um, contracting an Yeah. Oh. Okay.
1: Yeah. So oftentimes I will send patients to support groups because I'm like they're they're out there. There are plenty out there. I'm sure there's one in your you know your uh, the area where you live, and it's okay to go to these and and find support. From other people, and may you might even find someone that you <laughs> like, and you know. So, so. <laughs> so, so you should be going to support groups to start shopping to start. T-
0: <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> but yeah. tell me really quick. So you mentioned, okay, yes, I have this conversation. There's support groups that make you feel better about it. Do you know, or have you experienced? sexual dysfunction from contracting an SCD. is. Does an SED or a diagnosis also come with any form of sexual dysfunction?
1: Hmm, I'm sure it does, but there's very limited research on just sexual, female sexual dysfunction in general, or just sexual dysfunction in general. And so uh, STDs and how it affects your... Libido? Yeah, your, your libido um, hasn't really been researched. But I can... I can say from experience of patients um, that I haven't, patients haven't come to me and been like, hey, because I have this diagnosis, I am, you know, feeling this type of way about myself and I'm just not up for sex. But if anything, it would probably be the desire for it. So the, the desire is like you having a thought in your mind about sex and you wanting to have sex. And that desire might not be there because you are dealing with this diagnosis in your head. Like you're dealing with, oh, hey, I have this, I have HIV, so I won't be able to... Like, I'm just going to put sex off the table because I just don't think anyone's going to want to have sex with me. So I'm sure that it can lead to sexual dysfunction, mainly desire. And so
0: when that happens, when the person is feeling a lack of desire, that's more than likely coming from feeling undesired. Um, And it manifests itself with, because we all want to be wanted, and we all usually tend to want someone more when they want us. So if we have already put it in our head, similar to dating, that no one is out there who's going to want me. Now we're going to behave and act in a way that is going to manifest that because we have already put that thought in our head, so our movements, our daily activities start to surround ourselves around that particular thought, which is crazy because everything is psychological. um but <laughs> but there is this psychological component that controls our organs, is it not?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, yes, yeah, everything comes from our minds, like there's Everything is connected to our mind in some way, shape, or form. Like, everything is. So, including our genitals. So, if you don't feel like you can get anyone or that anyone is going to desire you any longer because of this diagnosis, then you're cutting yourself off from your genitals. Like, it's just, things probably just aren't working. I'm
0: going to ask you a super tough question about this. Mm. Can you pray, meditate, or manifest the STD away? Hmm. This is a little touchy of a topic. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, yeah, that's this, is, a good this is one of those, like, if I say a million times or, you know, I go to church or like, you know, a lot of times even growing up um, in the church, like there was this element of you can pray it away no matter what the sickness is. You know, the Bible says, you know, if you just believe it can go away. And there's people who, who do operate from a place of believing that. I'm a strong believer that, yes, you can, but you can also use the medicine in the process of that like <laughs> you <know>. medicine science <laughs> it's it you, is scientifically yeah. <laughs> like a blessing from god within itself
1: <laughs> and you know what i i do believe that this is a controversial topic it is however and this is me this is me this is you know my thought around it but i do believe that there are ways for you to get rid of it naturally Naturally. I do. I do. I do.
0: How can we get rid of naturally? Let me, tell, let me tell us you. I, I the don't scoop. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't okay, know. Okay, so you haven't figured out I have the not cure. Figured, no. I have not figured out the <laughs> but cure. But you believe it exists. To. I
1: do. I, I believe, believe it, it exists as well. I do yeah. think
0: that there are natural remedies. Um, and I am probably going to do a whole episode around... Um, you know, loving mother earth and what earth provides. Um, And my sister is actually an expert in this. So I'm going to bring her on for that episode. But when it comes to like the medical component, some of us don't take the medicine because we think we're doing better or we don't, we're not having the symptoms anymore. Or um, we, in in this come, you know, I know a lot of, I have a lot of therapists come in that deal with this all the time. The patient starts to feel like the medication is working. Therefore they stop and they don't need it anymore. And they think that they can handle it themselves, but oftentimes, no, you really need that medication. So is it the same thing when it comes to taking medication, like the PrEP or taking um, medication to prevent HPV? If you take it enough and it's in your system, can you get off of it and it still work?
1: No. Um besides the vaccine which you're get, you know, besides the vaccine preventing you from getting the most common forms of HPV that can cause the bad things like the not bad but genital warts, cervical cancer, things like that. Um there's not a medication where you can take that I'm aware of right now that will you can just take it once and you're you're good. Unless it's like chlamydia and you yeah. can take it and you're clear usually after one dose of a medication or injection um but not, not to my knowledge is there a medication for hiv that you could just take once and you like you're good ripped. to go yeah, <laughs> you're, you're good you're you're fine um i think the biggest thing is just knowing in your mind that you can have a pleasurable sexual life yeah and that it is you could do it with this diagnosis What does, so,
0: you know, we mentioned that things are very psychological based, but how does the psychology behind sex and sexual pleasure work? Um, We've had some sex experts on before, but I wanna get your spin on it when it comes to not being able to orgasm. You know, there's, um, I've even had clients before that it's like more challenging for them. What would you say to that component? How do we master the art of orgasm?
1: Good question. Um, So yeah, in terms of uh, orgasms, (laughs) um, usually, well, let me me start out with saying this. Sex does not have to be all about orgasm. And our uh, experiences uh, from a, the sexual cycle for a male and a female is completely different. And so I think oftentimes we base, women base getting an orgasm off of the way their partner has Mm. got an orgasm. And that is not the case. It's not that we have different parts. Um, We have, uh, you know, the the penis is multifunctional. You you know, it, it has erections, it can pee, it can ejaculate, like there's multifunctions of a penis. For a a woman, uh, the vulva, like there's so many things. There's the clitoris. The clitoris has eight thousand nerve endings, and it's only used for pleasure. So um, just know that we have different anatomy, different anatomical organs, and that they work differently. Um, So do not base how a man has an orga uh, has an orgasm off how you are going to have one. Right. And and the timing, and how it's going to be, and the position, and like release that from your mind, like release it from your mind because it's it's just different and it's OK. Like women were made differently than men.
0: And I think, too, you're not going to bust every single time. You're not going to climax every single time. So you can still enjoy the act without actually reaching, you know, climax. Yes. And I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves, like, oh my God, I didn't experience the orgasm, so therefore it wasn't good sex. No. No. Like the intimacy, the touching, the rubbing, the squeezing, the loving still was amazing with or without that final like last stretch. Yes.
1: Yeah. And and if you are with in a heterosexual, you know, situation, if you are with a male that is, you know, just has sex really quickly and comes and like sex is over. Well, then you just need to drop him because like, <laughs> 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 because your pleasure is is valuable and you like it, it's important. Your pleasure is important as well. And also um, us. I'm just kind of speaking, but like our pleasure, like advocate for it, like advocate for what you want in the in the bedroom. And that is going to get you closer to the orgasm if you want that to happen. If you want it to happen, like, say, hey, like, let's slow down. Let's kiss. Let's, like, give me a massage. Yeah. Or, you know, like, do something that is going to get me riled up.
0: What do you say for the women who believe that they're incapable of an orgasm?
1: Uh, no, that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> for no one. So anyone No, went... no, I, I do believe that there are certain conditions that put a woman at... Um, Um, Not lower risk, but just make them not get an orgasm as easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually it's like medication. So medications has a lot to do with if someone can get an orgasm or not. It's usually depression medications that that make it hard for someone to get an orgasm. Menopause. Yeah. I'm like, would a
0: depression medication, though, make you more likely to have orgasm since it helps lift your spirits?
1: Yes, but there's certain so um, serotonin is like a big thing in our brains that um, that we need to like feel pleasure and so forth. There's there's uh, certain medications called SSRIs or serotonin reuptake, um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Basically, are um, blocking serotonin, and um, because it blocks it, uh, it, we also need it for our genitals. So Mm. it actually is actually doing something. Uh, biologically within us or chemically, um, that's causing us not to have orgasms as easily. So there are certain medications that are out there that can still help depression and um, make it easier for you to have orgasms. Oh,
0: see, we need to do some additional research on what those medications are. Because <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I don't want them going off of their pills, but I definitely want
0: them having that orgasm.
1: <laughs> exactly, and you can ask your doctor or your provider who is, you know, pre- who is prescribing these medications, hey, this is the side effect that I'm getting can you put me on a different medication that is going to help me to get that orgasm and also make me feel good during this time that I'm having?
0: Last question. Why is it that you're so comfortable talking about the sex topic and not someone else? And what advice would you have for the person who's not comfortable with it to empower themselves to have that sex conversation, be it with their girlfriends, their boyfriends, their lovers, their homies, their family, where do you find the confidence to have the sex conversation?
1: sex conversation as in like the STDs or just sex in general? It doesn't even
0: have to be about STDs. I coach a lot of clients who don't even talk about sex with their friends and what they like with their friends. So when I ask them what they like for a significant other, they don't know. And it's not something that they're in the habit of doing um, because it makes them either uncomfortable or it makes their friends uncomfortable. And I didn't realize how many people until like I started picking their brains like, oh, this is even more uncommon. You know, it's Mm -hmm. part of the reason you and I both have these podcasts. But... Where do you get your confidence from to be able to have the conversation, so that we can sprinkle them with a little bit of that?
1: So, I think the, the confidence comes from knowing that that you can step into this door of like more possibilities, in sex, in discovering, in uh, yeah, in exploring different facets of sex if you just have a conversation about like what you like and what you don't like like you could just ask like you know like what turns you on and what doesn't turn you <laughs> like on. like what i asked you it can really it can be an icebreaker and there's actually spice breakers yeah, around spice here. Breaker. <laughs> um it could be it really could be an icebreaker about like hey What turns you on? What doesn't turn you on? What are you like absolutely against? There was actually a tantra specialist that was on my podcast, and he was talking about that is the conversation to have, like during dinner, like just have a conversation about, very casually have a conversation about it, and it really can open it up. It can open sexual experiences up to so much more, to so much more vulnerability, to so much more. pleasure from it uh it can just open doors to so much more when you know Mm -hmm. that this person knows what i like and this person knows what i don't like so they're not going to try what i don't like you know (laughs) like if i don't like anal they're not going to be like oh well let's 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 do that yeah, yeah let's just try this because they already know that i don't want it um so it's 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 being vulnerable and having a conversation and knowing that once you Step over this fear of like, oh, well, what are they going to think about me when I ask this or what are they going to do? Like, just know that past that can be so much more than you ever realized before asking the So look the at like the
0: long term, like, you know, results of what that conversation could manifest. Could manifest Yeah, that.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love asking. it.
0: Well, we have to wrap up the show, but we always end with the naked truth. So you're going to tell us if you could have any superpower in the world, what would that superpower be? the power to finish the sentence
1: the power to manifest anything I want very quickly (laughs) (laughs) okay she wants to be a genie in a bottle (laughs) (laughs) if you could have three wishes yes like I want those three wishes manifested tomorrow
0: (laughs) if you could travel back in time to any period in your life to relive it what time would it be what period
1: Mm, that's a good question Mm, I feel like high school would be, like, a time that is very impressionable. Um, I feel like I didn't have a lot of confidence in high school. And, like, who cares? You wish you could go back then, like,
0: kind of read. Would you redo it? Would you change anything?
1: Um, I would would redo stuff. I would change stuff. I would just know that like i'm great like You're i just enough. know that yeah, yeah i'm enough because i think that there's many times during high school even before that that i was like comparing myself to mm-hmm. other people and um so just knowing that i am enough yeah. you would have
0: taken over the sex ed class and um let it in oh, <laughs> even though shout out to dr <laughs> king like you said. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so last
0: question you could be anybody for the day this is the body swapping question whose body are you swapping with Okay, body and mind or just body? Body and mind. You get to live the life of that person for that day.
1: Oprah. Oprah okay
0: <laughs> it always goes between Oprah and Beyonce. Is so
1: <laughs> <there>? <laughs> Ooh, Beyonce is a good one but I love I, it but, but love you Oprah. chose you chose yes.
0: Okay Dr. Kara tell everybody where they can find you and um, sign up for your services um, use your pra- you know where can they reach you your practice all of you know if they have any additional questions for you give us all of those details.
1: Yeah, so uh, I am easily accessible through um, the website. it's www.vivalavulva. LA.org. You have to remember the LA. Um, that's where you can um, see videos that I've done before Ooh. for the exhibits and just like more information about t- t- actually talking about STDs and having conversations around sex in general. Um, I can be found on Instagram at Dr. Cara quant C A R A Q U um, A N T, as well as uh, Viva La Vulva LA. Um, and yeah, you can email me for more questions. Um, I am building, I'm starting to build up a, um, like a consulting or a consulting practice. So um, you can also find more information on the website once it comes up.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, you guys make sure that you check her out and you guys can always play with my Twitter or stroke my Instagram at SpicyMati. Make sure that you go to thespicylife.com. Also click and subscribe on for this episode and share it with a loved one. And there you guys have it. You have just been. Spiced. The Spicey Life.